Hour number two of Sports Talk begins with Jimmy Hyams of John Wilkerson. We look forward to in mere moments being joined by our own Vince Ferrara, courtesy of the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline. Uh, it's going to be Vince with us until 5 o'clock in and around our time with Vince. We look forward, Jimmy, also to catch catching up with gary parish of cbs sports that'll be a little bit later this hour yeah we'll get gary parish's take on the sec on tennessee about uh some final four teams that he likes and uh just the impact of COVID on college basketball this year yeah so uh that'll be coming up a little bit later this hour so much to uh to discuss with vince tennessee football basketball baseball you name it. So we have all that and more uh, with our coverage this hour. Hour number three of the program, it'll be Mark Pankratz, the former Tennessee assistant. We'll continue the conversation on Tennessee, SEC, and college hoops. And then before the show is over, we look forward to bringing you comments from the likes of Tennessee basketball coach Rick Barnes, Lady Vols coach Kelly Harper, and more. So, uh, Jimmy, we're still just in the process of getting started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot coming your way. And, uh, of course, a lot of the focus is on basketball. The SEC Women's Basketball Tournament, of course, is uh, this week uh, with the uh, Lady Vols getting a double bye. The SEC Men's Basketball Tournament is next week. The last game of the regular season will be the Tennessee game as Tennessee takes on Florida on Sunday. And then a few days later, you turn around and you play the SEC Men's Basketball Tournament. Yeah, as the Lady Vols will not play until Friday, it's uh, it's interesting that you just have an 11-6 matchup in the in the game before because since Vanderbilt, the women's basketball program, uh, opted out of the season, yeah. Ole Miss gets a bye when it should be playing on Wednesday. Yes, and so uh, and that's thrown uh, the bracket into a little bit of – well, I guess you, have, you had to do the same thing on the men's side, right, with Auburn being out. Well, that's true, too. Yeah, very good point. Very yeah. good point. And, and we are pleased to be joined by Vince Ferrara. His appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. Vince, how are you? I am good, guys. Busy day. Today is one of those five Zoom call days that uh, I'm sure you guys are, are familiar with, and then uh, many of the listeners as well with meetings and stuff like that with your workplace from home. But uh, also the hour with you guys and uh, plenty of things to track. So, yeah, busy day, but great to be on with you guys again. So how, how has Daphne, since it's, a, uh, since it's a package deal, how has Daphne held up to a, a, Zoom, a high <laughs> demand in Zoom calls today? Well, um, she's good. That she does have the option to opt out, which she will do <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> Just depends on who makes the cut, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, when we string too many together, she kind of gets she you know kind of bores her a little bit. But she's a, a sweet, cute mini golden doodle. So uh, let her let her choose when she wants to be on or off. All right. Well, that's that is the way to go. And of course, we invite you to join the conversation throughout the course of this hour. 656-9900-656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T and US cellular customers. The toll-free number 1-866-656-9900. As Jimmy mentioned in news and notes, uh, Vanderbilt actually dropping in a non-conference game in basketball, which it was already going to be a two-game week for the Commodores, but just because they had to hit the button an extra time during the season what do you think in terms of them squeezing in a game against cincinnati in in between their tuesday and saturday sec contests it's interesting it's very different something that we're not used to and being able to to stick uh schedule a game just like that when for all sports 
you know, in the past you've heard about how long it takes to schedule games and work those out, and that's really the adjustment that everybody's had to make now in, you know, last year in 2020 and in the 2021 where you cut these deals and, and you know, worry about the, the back end of it in the future. Maybe you give up you know, a future date, uh, you know, if someone has more sacrifice than the other, you give something up maybe down the road. So I, I like it. Look, for Vanderbilt, they're they're not going to the postseason. So give those kids, you know, some more opportunity in the college experience. For, for some of them, it might be their last time. So why not? If you can find a dance partner and they want to accomplish the same thing and they have – similar protocols, COVID protocols to where you feel like you're, you're, it's not any, you're not putting them in any more danger than any other SEC game. Uh, and you're good. I, I, I'm all for it. So I, I like that kind of thinking on, on the spot. And we saw with baseball for, for tomorrow, John, you have to be able to, you know, to be able to, to change gears and adjust quickly and, and maybe, you know, the, these are things that are sort of maybe been verbally talked about down the road, you know, previously just in hypotheticals. I remember talking to Kelly Harper about that before the year where she was like, you have to have a, a backup plan for a backup plan. So sometimes you have to go back and dig through your notes and say, all right, this coach said if it was a late game situation, they'd be willing to work it out and they'd be willing to. And you know, sometimes those play out. So it's so good for those two schools for doing it. Do you think that, I mean, Tennessee does not have a midweek game, and then it plays, as Jimmy was just highlighting, the final game against Florida for the SEC's regular season schedule. Do you think it's better served that Tennessee gets this break and a chance to catch its breath, or do you think they'd be better served by just finding an opponent? Well, if they do something with the practices, then yeah, it would be better. But that's that would be answering it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in high in hindsight, I would think that it would help them because of some missed practices to get some games. And I guess that's an advantage, a little bit of advantage in a non-conference game. You're you're maybe trying to get the experience and not so much worried about the record. But for Vanderbilt, does that really matter at this point? Uh, for Tennessee, it would have an impact with seeding if they were to, if the SEC was to have given them another midweek game. If you do it non-conference, then yeah, it doesn't impact your seeding, and you get some game action, and maybe you're not as worried about the result. But then, aren't you worried about the result because of the your resume for the NCAA tournament? So, uh, I think for Vanderbilt, it's a little bit different situation. Than a Tennessee, it sounds like Rick Barnes feels like they they're better off with it for with the time off for practice, and then also and maybe even more importantly to get some guys healed up like a Josiah Jordan James, who Rick Barnes admitted is is still not a hundred percent, but his wrist is getting better. Seemed to to not really be um, you know his one hundred percent self in the in the last Tennessee game, so. Uh, you know, if there are other guys banged up that we don't know about, then yes, it'll it'll be a positive, and you know, maybe this will give them a chance to not only get some practice time, but maybe 
you know, recharge the batteries a little bit from a mental standpoint. And, and I asked Rick Barnes today, I know you guys will, will play it later, uh, or, or this week, I asked him about how you balance between being, you know, holding players accountable and, and sort of being tough on them and also trying to build their confidence. And I think in a week like this, you might be able to have some you know, one-on-one or small sessions to where whether it's in tape or whether it's at Rick Barnes's his office there in, in Pratt Pavilion, which is just basically a folding table. Um, and and maybe you can, you know, use that to 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 love on some, some of his guys. He was very, I think, defensive of his players today, more so than I've heard him. Now, he's obviously called guys out and said they got to be better, things like that. And, and he will also defend them some, but I, that was more of an – a complete theme of today, what I thought was, whether it's John Fulkerson or the player, the roster overall, uh, I felt like he was in defend my guys mode a little bit more than I'm used to hearing him. So maybe that is something that they're looking to do with this week, and I, I think that would be good, whether it's to show them tape or, or, or put your arm around them and just talk hoops with them. I, I think – boosting their confidence and trying to show them what the team has done when they've been successful. I think that would be the route to go, but you know, he knows his guys better than than everybody. And it may be a different style from Barnes to any of the other assistants. So uh, it may not work, but I, I think that's more valuable than anything else is, is some practice time and maybe some positivity time this week. Yeah, I think this team needs a pat on the back, not a kick in the butt right now. But we'll see going forward. Uh, Vince, the last few days uh, has not been kind to Tennessee in terms of recruiting quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. We see Ty Simpson going to Alabama. And then shortly thereafter, and this caught Tennessee off guard, uh, but the uh, Sam Horn from Sewanee, Georgia, commits to Missouri. And that kind of leaves Tevin Carter of Memphis and uh, uh, Tavon Jackson of Indiana as two of the main ones on the board. I, I think that's been a tough week for Tennessee going after QBs. Yeah, certainly they weren't surprised by Ty Simpson uh, in his decision. And, you know, look, they tried. Josh Heupel did, and and you could tell that the uh, the Ty Simpson complimented Josh Heupel. And, you know, that relationship still can build, and there's time. It's tough to pull a player from Alabama um, so they're, I don't think they're going to give up on it, but they still have to go find a quarterback and get a, get a reservation from a quarterback at this point. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think every, all, all the analysts, everybody I talked to and everything I read had Horn headed to, to Tennessee. And geographically, with a, a bordering state in Georgia, you're not going to go in there and and get everybody, but when you're in a good position relationship-wise and and in the, as a finalist and you need a, a, a quarterback in this class and you feel like you got him, that's one that, um, you know, Tennessee should be able to get. And, and you know, we'll see if it plays out what kind of player he is. Um, certainly has the, the size in terms of height, 6'4", that you're looking for. But I, I think that's a tough miss for them. 
Um, we'll see where what direction they go. I, I don't think the um, the the dual threat type of quarterbacks it's an automatic for for this coaching staff. Jimmy, as you know, uh, when uh, when uh, Halsley was talking about the the characteristics he's looking for, that that mobility wasn't number one. It, it was it was important, but it wasn't number one. It was so third. Um, he, he said in, he yeah. said intelligence, accuracy, and then mobility. Right. So I think it's a trait that they want. Obviously, they want all three, preferably, but it, it doesn't have to be. Oh, we need a dual threat guy. Let's look through the dual threat guys. I think if that that escapability and can we do some design runs with them, I think that's a that's a huge plus. So we'll see what direction they go. You know, Caden Martin, as you know, Jimmy is make, is announcing his decision tomorrow. I, I don't know if he Tennessee's in his in his final group, but but not for I, I football. don't know how much. Not for football. Right for if he goes for, Tennessee. Yeah, it's for, baseball only. Uh huh. Right, it, but I'm saying that kind of player. I, I don't, I don't know if that would be a direction that they would want to go with. You know, hey, let's, you know, uh, you know, for for a guy that's local, with obviously T. Martin coming, uh, having already left. I, I, I just don't know that if um, you know that kind of player that they would suddenly go sh- uh, down the board to a shorter player. And one that you know may or may not even project to to a quarterback. So yeah, there's other directions they may go, or they're going to have to go. And we'll see what you know what they do. But it is it is tough that they missed out on Horn and Simpson. But I'm guessing that they're not going to give up on Ty Simpson either. Our guest Ben Ferrara, as he joins us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline, and his appearance is brought to you by Waters Equipment. And Vince, I know that's a a, a group, a, a company that you've really enjoyed getting to know. Yeah, no question. They are uh, incredibly productive in helping people on all ends, the beginning, and helping them figure out what you want and need in terms of equipment best fit for you. Then the customer service throughout and um, and just tremendous feedback from customers that have worked with Waters Equipment. Just really excited each week to tell everyone about how oh, uh, fantastic of a business Waters Equipment is. So we'll get a break. We've got more with Vince. If you have a question or comment and you want to join the conversation, 656-9900, 656-9900. That puts you on 99.1, the sports animal. Hey. From the Budweiser Studios of the Sports Animal. I am a semi-professional race car driver and an amateur tattoo artist. We are 99.1, the Sports Animal. Sports Talk continues with Jimmy Hyams of John Wilkerson. Vince Ferrara joins us for this hour of the program. His appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. If you have a question or comment for Vince, 656-9900, 656-9900, star 990 is free. For AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers, the toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Vince, getting awfully close. In fact, if, uh, if everything goes as has been kind of either announced and or reported, 
it looks like the staff could be complete for the University of Tennessee and Josh Heupel. How important do you think it is to be at this point if indeed everything is taken care of, as Jimmy mentioned, if indeed you get everything taken care of in uh, moving on from Kevin Steele? Yeah, I, I think it is. It's more than time, you know, especially this last hire has taken some, it's taken a while. And, um, you know, everybody reporting that it's, you know, it's like Eckler who's been in North Texas and has plenty of experience in, in the SEC. And as a lot of people, Brian Rice and a number of people have pointed out also, uh, Jimmy, you may have mentioned this earlier. Uh, he was one of those coaches that apparently had issues with Jeremy Pruitt at Georgia uh, as well, which, you know, makes it interesting. But, um, I think it's time. It's time to close the book on this coaching staff, and it's time for get, having a full staff out in, in recruiting and recruiting one uh, to get out there and, and have everybody representing your university and try to make up some ground. So you need all bodies uh, available to be able to do that. And then if you're going to have that same – everybody on, on the same page or the same message – uh, as Josh Eipel and the assistants have talked about, you want to have everybody in place. And and so I, I think it's time. And and then obviously in continuing to evaluate everything you have to work with. And I think you need all hands on deck to be able to figure that out. And then also the recruiting isn't just for high school. It goes to the transfer portal. Also explore, add in more relationships and so I, I think it's I think it's definitely time. They, Josh Heupel was taking his time, and that's fine. But now now it's time to move forward with with a complete staff and see what you can do with it. We're only a few weeks away from the start of spring ball, so I I, I think uh, they've cut it close enough, and now it's time. And apparently, you know, Josh Heupel's added another coach with. Uh, Power Five and SEC experience, so that's another positive because there's, you know, obviously there's plenty on the offensive side that have not had that, um, but I, I think it's a good balance and a good overall staff. So I, I think it's it, it's it's good to just get the book closed. And not only that, you mentioned John Kevin Steele, I mean he's been it, he's been kind of dangling around for so long. I think you do need to to move forward on that and give him an opportunity to try to get a gig. He may already be working on that behind the scenes, but, um, you know, just uh, it, it, it is time for, for this staff as it needs to be, as it will be, to be complete. And then, you 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 know, all systems go after that. Yeah, and they've uh, they got to release steel before they can make the hire of Eckler because you can't have more than 10 at one time. Uh, Vince, uh, right. if you would, Eric Gilbert. What are the chances of Tennessee landing the five-star tight end who began his career at LSU and then transferred? I would be surprised. I mean, that's that's my that was my thought in with him in recruiting in the first place. That was my thought with him when he left LSU, and I, I'm going to feel that way as well. I, I know the relationship and being teammates with Harrison Bailey and Bailey and others have reached out to him uh, to come play for him. I mean, that hasn't been that hasn't been the the deciding factor each other time he hasn't picked Tennessee. So now he's going to come for that. I mean, maybe if you cross out his, his, uh, the other schools, the LSU and Florida, maybe once you start dwindling teams down, then maybe you get to, to Tennessee for Harrison Bailey. And that's not a 
shot on Bailey. I'm just saying that's not what that wasn't his number one motivation. Uh, so uh, it, um, I, it's it, to me, it's still probably Georgia. I would never rule out Ohio State with an elite player like that either, even if he doesn't have the ties up there that he does for Georgia, but I, I would still be surprised. I, I just think it's an uphill battle for, for that kid, even if he had, you know, prior interest in Tennessee in the past. That's Vince Ferrara. His appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. We'll get a break. When we return, we'll be joined by Gary Parrish of CBS Sports. That's next on 99.1, The Sports Animal. Credibility, honesty, and a dedication to bring you the sports information you deserve each afternoon. This is Sports Talk with John Wilkerson and Jimmy Hines on 99.1 The Sports Animal. Sports Talk continues with Vince Ferrara and Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. And, Jimmy, we head to the Stanley Fetching and Gates hotline for a very special guest and longtime friend of the show. Uh, we do, and that's Gary Parrish. Gary Parrish does an outstanding job covering college basketball. He's out of Memphis. He's with CBS Sports. And uh, we appreciate Gary taking the time to join us. Gary, how are you? I'm doing well. You guys Okay. Uh, we're doing fine. Uh, just trying to answer uh, a puzzling question. Maybe you can help us. What's wrong with Tennessee men's basketball? You know, I am somebody who uh, made the case for them back in the off season to be the favorite in the SEC. And a lot of that was rooted in the idea that uh, they weren't a great team last season, but they were returning some, I thought, good pieces. And then we're adding two five-star freshman projected one and done first round draft picks and that's a great combination to have in college basketball and you know Tennessee is clearly better than it was last season and Tennessee's clearly going to be in the NCAA tournament but undeniably it's it's, it's been disappointing especially lately so the question becomes why and, and I think um, it's never as simple as you can make it out there in you know a quick radio segment but you know John Fulkerson has has is not performing at, at, at the level he was last season. And lately it's been like four-point game, four-point game, four-point game. It's been just a lot of nothing. And then the five-star freshmen have had their moments, but they haven't been consistently great. And so if you would have told me in the off season, hey, you know, here's what's actually going to go on with Tennessee. Fulkerson's not going to take that step forward. He's actually going to take a step back. And the five-star freshmen are, are going to be good and have moments, but – you know, they're not going to be Keg Cunningham and, and Evan Mobley. I would have told you then that, that Tennessee team sounds more like a, a top 35 team instead of a top 15 team, and that's where we're at right now. I talked to an NBA scout who told me it's uh, lack of a point guard and lack of inside scoring, and he's not sure it's fixable. Uh, how do you see that? Yeah, yeah I, I, that makes sense to me. You know, like at this point in the season – um, you kind of, you usually are what you are. There are exceptions to that. And obviously, you know, Kimba Walker taking off at UConn and, 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 and carrying the Huskies to a national championship. Some of John Calipari's teams that are heavily reliant on freshmen have uh, flipped a switch around this time and, you know, been, been okay seeds in the NCAA tournament that actually got all the way to the Final Four. So if you're a Tennessee fan, you know, still hoping that, you know, maybe this can end where you wanted it to end. 
um, you know, you could maybe point to some of those Kentucky teams and say, um, hey, you know, they, 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 there's multiple examples of Final Four teams under John Calipari that, that kind of had their ups and downs during the season, but at some point it clicked and then they took off. Maybe that could happen for Tennessee, but the truth is on the offensive end, they're just so inconsistent and, um, and, and for the most part, not explosive. And eventually, you know, that, that catches up to you. I know the cliche is that defense wins championships, but that's not actually true in college basketball. It's usually offense that wins championships. And, and Tennessee just, and I say this as respectfully as I can say it, but Tennessee's just not a good offensive team. Gary, you look at just how this team has operated and going into the season, and I think it's still persistent that Tennessee has a good amount of depth and Tennessee has a number of options when it comes to guys who can score the basketball if it's their night. At the same time, Tennessee doesn't have that obvious choice as to when the game's on the line, this is the player to watch to st- watch them step up and hit the big shot. How, how important is it for a team to know exactly who should get the ball when a game is on the line? It's very important. I mean, not only do you, do you need to, to know who should get it, uh, that person who's going to get it needs to have the confidence to, to take that shot. I mean, you know, not every player wants to be in that spot. They all say they do, but it, it's not necessarily true. And sometimes it, it really is a mindset. And so I think what you were hoping, if you're Rick Barnes, is that, you know, you, 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 want, you want your veterans to, to guide you, but eventually, if you've got NBA players on the roster, you want them to show themselves as NBA players. I remember, and you guys will too, that 2008 Memphis team that famously played the one-versus-two game against Tennessee inside FedEx Forum. Uh, what, what people uh, forget about that team is that Derrick Rose was not the star of the team. Chris Douglas Roberts was the star of the team. He was the first-team All-American. But when the NCAA tournament came, John Calipari told Derrick Rose, Stop deferring to your teammates. You're our most talented player. Be our most talented player. And if you go back and look at the game log of Derrick Rose in the 2008 NCAA tournament, he was awesome. Destroyed every other point guard that got put in front of him from uh, Drew Neitzel to, to, to Darren Collison. Just absolutely, DJ Augustine just ripped him apart. The NBA player on the Memphis roster started playing like the best player on the Memphis roster, but it did not happen till late. If you're Tennessee, you wanted that to happen for you. I don't care whether it's Jaden or Keon, but you wanted one of them, and preferably both, to show themselves as not just a great prospect, but a consistently great player who wants the ball at the end of games. And, and right now, I'm not saying neither can, can fill that role, um, but you know, you know, it, it, they haven't done it as consistently as, as I think um, you know, any Tennessee fan would have hoped. It has been as unique a season as we've seen in terms of the the teams that have been able to play the better part of their games as well as what happens where you have Georgia and Tennessee not playing in the midweek will be in action this weekend. And what do you think in terms of just this break hitting Tennessee at this point in time? Do you think this is important for the Vols to uh, perhaps just get a chance to step back, catch their breath to go into this last game and then any postseason play? Yeah, I actually think that, that maybe, you know, having a little pause is, is good for, for the Vols because they just haven't been right lately. And to just jump right back into it again, you know, at, at this point, you're, you're probably safe to make the NCAA tournament. There's nothing that Georgia game could have done for you except hurt your resume further. 
So, like, any sort of, you know, bad loss possibility that can get removed from your schedule at this point is not the worst thing in the world. Um, you know, they just need to, uh, you know, get get back to, um, you, know, they, they, you know, guarding the way that they can guard. You know, this is still one of the best defensive teams in America, but hasn't looked like it lately. Um, they need to guard the way they can guard. And, you know, there's a long list of examples of teams that, Again, we're up and down during the regular season, but then, you know, got hot at the quote-unquote right time, and next thing you know, they're in the Elite Eight. I'm still not ruling that out as a possibility uh, for Tennessee, but but obviously there's some things to get fixed, you know, in advance of Selection Sunday. But to answer your question, uh, I don't think having this kind of gap between games is going to hurt them at all, and I think you could argue maybe it's a good thing. Hey, Gary, Vince Ferrara, good to talk to you again. Now, people put out their top fives in in the Southeastern Conference. Here are my top five SEC teams. But what I'm curious from you is maybe a top five based on your confidence level in SEC teams to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. How, how would you kind of give a one through five for that? I would still start with Alabama. And, and I, I don't know that I would name Alabama as one of the – five best teams in the country, but I do think Alabama is one of the five most dangerous teams in the country because they're so committed to a very specific style of play. I mean, Alabama is top 10 in in defensive efficiency, top 10 in tempo. Uh, That's a rare combination. And basically in the Ken Palm era that dates back to 2001, 2002, when you find, you go identify the handful of teams that, you know, were top 10 in defensive efficiency and top 10 in tempo they're almost all great. I mean, like, there's national champions in there. To be able to play as fast as Alabama plays and guard the way they guard is not, is not common in college basketball. And when you combine that with the fact that basically every other shot coming from three-point range, I mean, they're, they're going to take 30, 33s a game. If they, if they get hot, you're dead. And if they're not hot, they're still good enough defensively to, to hang around with you and beat you. So I, I would put Alabama at the top. I won't be surprised if they're in the Final Four. And to me, that's a, that's a scary game for a Gonzaga or a Michigan because there are some teams in the top ten right now that I think even if they played their best, they can't beat Gonzaga. Even if they played their best, I'm not sure they could beat Michigan. But Alabama's one of those teams, because they're going to launch 33s, you know, if they hit 16 of them, you're in bad trouble. I don't care how good you are. So that's a dangerous team and a really good team. Arkansas, I think, probably comes after that. You know, Musk has got this thing rolling right now, and he's doing it largely the way he did it at Nevada. You know, a lot of transfers. The only difference between Arkansas and Nevada is that, you know, in Arkansas you can also recruit top 50 high school players. So he's got these transfers like he had at Nevada, but then he's got a probable one-and-done lottery pick in Moses Moody, who is performing like a, you know, probable one-and-done lottery pick. So, I, you know, we could start the debate after Alabama-Arkansas in the SEC, I think, but, but any conversation's probably got to start with those two. You mentioned Cal Perry adjusting and what he, he told Derrick Rose uh, in the tournament. How much do you think flexibility, coaching flexibility, is a key ingredient in the NCAA tournament, or is it more about the players than, than adjustments like that, in your opinion? I think it's more about, like, do you have a team that's good enough and can you make threes and avoid foul trouble? I mean, a single elimination tournament is so wild that, like, if we played, 
instead of taking 68 teams, if we just took 16 and then played best of seven series, like NBA playoff style, um, I think you could pretty reliably pick a Final Four. The same way you can pretty reliably in most years, you know, pick a Final Four, even a, even a, 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 a you know, a, a, a Finals in the NBA. But given that, you know, it's just a series of, of, of 40 minute games where a twisted ankle, um, foul trouble, or a hot three point shooting team can, can determine the outcome. Um, I, I think that has more of an impact on the, how the bracket unfolds than, you know, how, how Lon Kruger decides to guard ball screens against this opponent. You know, like college coaches aren't going to be adding too many wrinkles, you know, uh, you know, between the round of 64 and the round of 32. Uh, that, at that point, those teams are, are basically what they are. And so um, I'll never forget when Shaka Smart went to his only Final Four at VCU, and I say that like it's a bad thing, like he's only been to one, like one's amazing. But, but that team won, I think, because they were in the first four, they won five games to get to the Final Four. And in those five games, they made at least ten three-pointers, I want to say three or four different times. They had done it like once or twice the entire season. And then they did it like three or four times in the NCAA tournament. And so how did, you know, if anybody wants to ever ask the question, how did Shaka Smart make the VC, Final Four at VCU? His team got unusually hot from three-point range for a series of games. And that's, that's really the long and short of it. And so, you know, when we get to the Final Four inside Lucas Oil Stadium, I, I, I suspect a Gonzaga is going to be there and a Michigan's going to be there and a Baylor is going to be there or some combination of the teams that have shown themselves to be the best teams in the country over an unusual and long season. But, you know, as is the case, you know, fairly often, you know, somebody that nobody would have picked to get there could end up there and it'll just be because they started playing at a high, unusual level at the perfect time. Gary, give us a, a dark horse for the Final Four, and would perhaps Alabama qualify for that? I don't know that I would call Alabama a dark horse for the Final Four, if only because, you know, Alabama's a top-ten team right now. They're great in all the metrics. You know, that's a that's a team that, that again, I, I, I'm not saying they, they, they're going to win a national championship, but as crazy as this sounds, um, it, it will not be that surprising if you look up and, and Alabama is your men's college basketball champion and football champion in the same calendar year. In terms of a team that, that might be a dark horse is, um, you know, Virginia is somebody that is always, you know, in play because they're committed to a style of play. They know how to to do what they're trying to do, and you can't bother them. Like, they might just miss shots, but you're not gonna you're not going to speed them up you're not going to make them uncomfortable. They're going to slow you down and make you uncomfortable. So we've seen the extremes with the Cavaliers. You know, they, they, we've seen them win a national championship as a one seed. We've seen them lose in the rounds of 64 to a 16 seed as a one seed. Some of that is tempo of, of the tempo at which they play is, um, is more conducive to upsets than a faster tempo would be. But that's a team I would never count out, you know, because we didn't have an NCAA tournament last season Virginia is still technically the reigning national champion and I know they haven't been playing well lately but that's still a team that's strong in the computers that's still a team that's going to really guard you it's still a team that's got multiple shooters on the floor at all times 
And like I said, if those shooters make shots in this single elimination tournament, we could look up and see Virginia in the Final Four for what would be the second straight NCAA tournament. Hey, Gary, great stuff. Always appreciate you taking the time to join us and um, enjoy the rest of the college basketball season. I appreciate you guys. Take care. Thank you. That's Gary Parrish with CBS Sports. Joining us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline, our guest Vince Ferrara, his appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. We'll get a break, a final segment with Vince coming up as you listen to Sports Talk on 99.1, The Sports Animal. Now back to more of the most trusted sports information on the air. Sports Talk with John Wilkerson and Jimmy Hines on 99.1, The Sports Animal. Final segment, hour number two of Sports Talk. Final segment with our own Vince Ferrara. His appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. Vince, time getting away from us, but uh, what's coming up Friday on In the Cage, MMA Radio? Well, actually, because the Lady Balls are playing in the SEC tournament, we're airing on Thursday this week from 8 until 9, right after the starting 11, which is also moving up a day and we're going to be bouncing around both of our shows a little soccer show and and uh the mma show that i do with tim loy uh, as you guys know with basketball and uh, being uh you know, with tournaments and everything postseason we'll bounce around a little bit but this week we're eight to nine and we're going to visit with megan anderson who is uh is fighting in the co-main event against the greatest women's mma fighter uh, ever and Amanda Nunes. So that we're talking to Megan Anderson on the show this week. Really excited about that as she challenges for or one of Nunes's two belts, the uh, women's featherweight championship. Plus, we'll have a full preview of UFC 259, which Jimmy Himes is well aware of. I may need to get tips from him with all of his uh, spots that he does um, <laughs> on, on that. So. <laughs> but anyway, we'll have a full full breakdown of the card. And, uh, yeah, excited to have Megan Anderson as we continue to put UFC fighters on our show here locally. So really proud of that. And it uh, should be a lot of fun Thursday night, 8 to 9, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, obviously we'd love for you to listen on the air uh, here on 99.1, the Sports Animal. And, of course, folks, if they don't do it already, should make 991thesportsanimal.com a part of their daily routine, correct? That's right. Uh, content from UT constantly. I mean, dozens of stuff almost every day. Uh, almost every day, dozens. I mean, every day there's something on there. And then podcasts, videos, Rick Barnes and Kelly Harper from today are up there. Every show, podcast, every hour of every one of our local shows is up there as well. So um, you can even catch some of the Ball Network stuff in the in the Balls tab. So spend some time there. There's a ton of balls content also. So, yeah, check it out every day, 991thesportsanimal.com. We sure do appreciate it, Vince. Have a great night, and we can't wait to hear you a little bit later in the week. But uh, thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Appreciate you. Thank you. That's Vince Ferrara joining us on the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline.